as we begin our service today, let's all stand as we sing our Come and Worship medley. time and opportunity to come together and worship Almighty God. It is good to see you. We hope that you had a wonderful Christmas day and a Christmas season, and it continues on as we look forward to 2021. Can you believe that? 2021 just around the corner. Well, we pray that it's a great year and a year of great progress as we have enjoyed to some degree and we have somehow persevered a challenging year of 2020. So we thank you, and those watching on, uh, on, at your home, thank you for taking the opportunity as well. Today, we look forward to some big decisions and look forward to some big issues as we turn the corner to 2021. And I pray that you will allow God's Spirit to speak to you through this time of worship, and in particular, as we focus on worship, worshiping Almighty God. If you're a guest today for the very first time and you've uh, never filled out a guest card, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to fill one out should find it in the pew in front of you. Just drop it in one of the offering boxes as you leave today. We would certainly appreciate that very much. Join me in a time of prayer, and we will continue our time of worship. Also, a challenge as we look forward to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goal, our accomplishing our goal as well as the national goal, keeping some 3,535 missionaries around the world communicating the gospel. You have a part in that. We're going to pray for them as well. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come this morning. We look forward to hearing from you, experiencing you, singing songs of the faith. Father, hearing challenging videos and prayers, 
different elements of worship as well as a message from your word. And I pray all through this service will be attuned. And most importantly, that our focus will be you. Lord, across the world right now, we have international missionaries. They are preaching. They are working. They are building relationships. They're dealing with medical clinics. Father, there's so many different avenues that they are in the countries for the sole purpose of communicating the gospel. I pray that you will inspire us and challenge us to continue to give so that they might be able to continue to share the gospel where we are not. So, Lord, this morning we commit to you in every single aspect. It's in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue by singing, Good Christian Men Rejoice. Good 
Please join me in prayer. Holy Father, yes, tell the good news that Christ has come. He has redeemed us from our sins. And oh, Lord, we are so grateful. We thank you, Father. And as we have been told, let our lights shine. God put a light inside of our hearts, and we can't cover it. We have to tell the good news. We have to let others know we care, we love, and we share the good news to all. In Jesus' name I do pray, amen. We're looking for the King, the new Messiah. We're following a star, shining brighter. Oh man, won't you help us if you can? He shook his head, but he pointed his hand. There's a new kid in town. And he's lying in a manger down the road. There's a new kid in town. But he's just another baby, I suppose. Heaven knows. There's a new kid in town Here in Bethlehem I see you travel far 
bearing treasures. You say these gifts are for the new king's pleasure. I heard a king might come but up till now there hasn't been one there's a new kid in town and he's lying in a manger down the road there's a new kid in town but he's just another baby i suppose heaven knows there's a new kid in town here in Bethlehem. There's a new kid in town and he's lying in a manger down the road there's a new kid in town but he's just another baby i suppose heaven knows there's a new kid in town here in bethlehem
Thank you, Ruthie. Thank you, Joel. Bill, thank you. Well, here we are, just on the threshold of 2021. I remember in high school, I thought, man, I tell you what, if we get to 2000, I'm going to be, you know, 40 some odd. <laughs> and I thought that, that was so far away. And now we're 20 years and going to be 21 years beyond that. Time flies fast. Yes, my, uh, my goodness, we, uh, we think about this past year. A year ago today, or this week, I never would have thought we'd have been through what we've been through. We don't know what 2021 holds, but I'm going to tell you, I pray it is a whole lot better. In the midst of it, God continues to work. He's worked some amazing things in your life and my life through this year, even with the challenges. John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24, is a verse, a couple of verses that I want to launch into when I think about some big issues for people as we look forward to the new year, some things that we need to nail down and make sure that we have nailed down. <clears throat> Jesus remembered or replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Join me in prayer if you would. Father, thank you for the time that we've had this morning. Already uh, a time of worship and time of celebration as we reflect on Christmas and the meaning, and we transition and pivot to a new year. This week is always a week of, of reflection for me, and I'm sure many others. Reflection and also looking ahead. But before we look ahead, we must make sure that certain things are in place. And I pray this morning that we will come to understand what those are. And if there are any adjustments that need to be made, that we make them this morning. And then, Father, we trust you for the days ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My brother retired when he was, uh, when he, uh, was younger. And uh, before he retired, about two years before, he decided that he was going to try to figure out what to do in retirement. He didn't want to just uh, retire and sit and uh, not have anything to do. He had a plan. That which is always his life. He's always been a strategic planner. He's always uh, focused in on statistics and mathematical uh, equations and on and on I could go, but that's just, his, that's just the way his makeup is. Um, just so that you understand what I'm saying is that uh, years and years ago, uh, he sent me a spreadsheet that talked about his, the, the time that he and his daughter and, uh, and his wife were going to go to Disney World. And he had done his research, everything, timetables, and he had this spreadsheet of exactly what day they were going to what park, at what time they were going to what ride, exactly where the bathrooms were, and where they would eat lunch in line. I still have that Excel spreadsheet. I just think it's phenomenal that somebody could actually do that. So here he is. He's planning for his retirement. And so he's saying, okay, well, what is it that I can do? So he, uh, he says, you know, I love to play golf. So he started playing golf a lot. And he kind of looked at himself in the mirror and said, I cannot play golf that much. And so he started fishing. And he fished and he fished and he fished and caught all kinds of fish. And he looked at himself and said, I cannot fish all the time in retirement. And he continued to do that over two years until he found the sweet spot of what he felt he would be able to do to keep himself busy, to enjoy, and also to honor God. And then he retired. It's always when we have major decisions, it's always important to plan, to understand, to look at the playing field, to, to go in depth and make sure that we have every single thing nailed down because the decisions that we make have ramifications. The decisions we make will affect other people as well as ourselves. When we get ready to look at 2021 and the, reflect back over this last year and we look ahead to what uh, 2021 might be for us individually and for us as a church, 
there are some things I think that we need to nail down spiritually. They are critical things that I think are important. And most of you probably in this room, uh, you have probably nailed them down. But I want to make sure that you and the folks that are watching on live stream, that these are nailed down so that as you launch into 2021, you go with it with every sense and every ounce of energy that you possibly can. Jesus has said that if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so that is the focus of where we are. We're going to look at some scriptures that address what are the commands of Jesus Christ. What are some things that are most important that every one of us need to make sure are settled? Nobody can be neutral here. Jesus said, he who is not for me is against me. <clears throat> There's not a person in this worship center, and I imagine that's watching online, that would tell me that I am against God. But your actions could show that. So let's talk about these three things. First is what should you do about salvation? You might be a good churchgoer. You may have some religious beliefs. You may actually have studied quite a bit and, and cognitively in your head. You know a lot of facts and figures about what the Bible says, about how life is going to go spiritually. But the question is not about your religiosity. The question is about your spiritual life your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why in the world does a person need to be saved at all? I mean, what is the value to that? The Bible says that you need to be saved because you're condemned. God said that you are dead in your sins and your trespasses. The word dead has this idea, it means condemned. It's a death sentence, spiritually speaking. The sentence of sin is death. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. What we earned for our sin here what we get paid for our sin here is death, spiritual separation from God. And quite frankly, God's going to have to carry out that judgment. Oh, wait a second, preacher. God is love. We don't all know that God is love. That is part of his character. But also part of God's character is his justice, his judgment. You say, well, that just doesn't sound right. Let me tell you this. We went to, I think it was the, it's called the Fremont Hotel uh, last night over in Scottsdale. They've got incredible lights there. It goes through the 31st. Um, you, you go and, and it has different sections in different areas. And one of the sections kind of farther away so that you can't just, you know, by chance go to it is a nativity. But it's gorgeous. It's stained glass, life-size, and they uh, read, actually uh, recorded uh, the, uh, the, the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, they have music that plays, and each one of these characters in the nativity lights up. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And Debbie and I were just sitting there, and we were just taking it all in, uh, along with the, the rest of our family. And all of a sudden, here were these uh, two boys. And, man, I tell you what, they were rambunctious. You could tell they probably hyped up on sugar or something. Or maybe that's just who they are. They, they were bouncing around all over the fence, trying to go over the fence, trying, wanting to get to that stained glass. And the parents were back here somewhere, just saying, oh, uh, don't do that. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sure the parents love them to death, but part of parenting is discipline. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I, that was weak, but okay. <laughs> I think it's really important to discipline. In fact, the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. He loves us unconditionally, but he says he disciplines those he loves. He brings judgment upon those that he loves. Why? Because we want to make sure that not only our kids, but also God wants to make sure that we as his children are obedient. Because not only will life be more fulfilling for us, we'll be able to contribute to society and especially the kingdom of God in wonderful ways. And so the judgment of God is just as much a part as his love. Bible says the wages of sin is death. God who is just is going to have to follow through with that sentence. So we're condemned because of our sin. Well, wait a second, preacher. Now, I have tried hard. I, I, I really try to help people. I lend a helping hand anywhere I can go. I try to make sure that, that with compassionate care, I encourage people. And you know, there are a lot of folks that are like that. They're the best people that you'll be around. Man, they'll lend a helping hand at any point in time. They might even be churchgoers, but the reality is they've never had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And how tragic. How tragic to live your life 
with such compassionate attitude and humility trying to help people, but you miss the mark altogether. Because every one of us has sinned. The Bible says that. There's not one of us that has not sinned. And so God's got to follow through with the judgment because we have condemned ourselves because of our disobedience. You say you're, you're, uh, you're condemned and you can't save yourself. The Bible says, by works shall no flesh be justified. In other words, you can't work hard enough or long enough or have enough sweat to save yourself. And that includes folks that work hard on, in the church, whether it be on the building or whether it be on committees, whether it be out visiting, doing whatever you do inside the ministry of, of this church or any church, the reality is that that's not going to get you where you need to go. You can't save yourself. He says, by works, no man can be justified. We can't work ourselves through to be good enough because we are tarnished. We have chosen to sin. The exciting thing about that is that you don't have to save yourself. The scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the midst of our sin, while we had condemned ourselves because of our sin, it was Christ who died for us. He did not say, I want you to reform and get better and better and better, and then I will come and save you. No, he said, in the midst of your sin, as dark and as black as you might be in the midst of sin, I love you unconditionally, and I'm going to come and provide an opportunity for you to have life everlasting. But you have to have that relationship. He paid our sin of debt. I read a story many years ago about Billy Graham. As he was driving through a small community in the south and wasn't paying attention to the speedometer, and obviously he was pulled over, he got a ticket. The small communities in the south, if you might remember, if you weren't from that community and you did that, you had to go see the judge then. You were not able to mail it in <laughs> and say, see you later. And so he had to go and he had to stand before the judge and the judge recognized this young evangelist. And he said, how do you plead? And Billy Graham said, I am guilty. And you would think there would be some grace, right? No, the hammer came down, the gavel did, and he said, your fine is $25. And then the judge got up out of his seat he took his robe off, he came around to the other side of the table, and he took out his wallet before Billy Graham could, and he paid the $25 and said, you, you were guilty, but I'm paying, your, I'm paying your, your fee. Now listen, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. You see, we have to say we're guilty because we've sinned, and we stand before the judge of God and says we're guilty. And the gavel comes down and says, here's what your sentence is. It's death. It's spiritual separation from the eternal God. But out of the heavens, the robe came off. And here came Jesus through the incarnation that we call Christmas. And he came to earth to pay our penalty through not only his teaching, but his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. He paid your penalty. And mine. The Apostle Paul says we are bought with a price. It was the blood of Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, as he instituted the Lord's Supper, this is my blood of a covenant which is poured out for many for the remission, the forgiveness of their sins. That's what he's done for us. So we've sinned. We're condemned. We can't save ourselves. We don't have to because Jesus paid our debt. But we have to have that relationship, not only to ask for that personal relationship and for him to take our sins away, but to ask him to allow us to be obedient to him for the rest of the days of our life. So how can you be saved? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <laughs> I love that. A different version says... Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's what you have to do. It's a personal relationship. It's not about working your, your way somehow through the church or to, a, uh, in the, to the heart of God. You can't do that. But Jesus, he paid for your way. Mm. One man said it this way, God cast one vote for me, the devil cast another vote for me, and I make the deciding decision. And that decision is to accept Christ as your Savior or to turn your back and reject. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and says, what, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
Jesus said, I want you to follow all the commandments. He said, well, I have followed them from my childhood up. And Jesus said, you have one thing you lack. I want you to sell your possessions, and I want you to go and come and follow me. Give those possessions to the poor, come follow me. The man couldn't do it because he was wealthy. He chose wealth over Jesus. And as he turned away, the Bible says that Jesus' heart was saddened. It was broken. That's what happens when somebody rejects Christ. There was another religious ruler that came to Jesus by night. All indications by the context of Scripture. That man, wanting to find out if Jesus was the true Messiah, later on gave his life to Christ. He saw the light. So we cast our vote. And my question for you as you begin this new year is, is that secure for you? If today were the last day of your life, did you, would you have that life eternal? Not a good life. Most of us are good people. But you have a personal relationship with Christ. There is a huge, huge difference. The second thing I would like for you to settle and make sure about is what you do about baptism. Well, preacher, that's such an important thing. I mean, baptism is just baptism. Well, what does baptism do? One thing it does not do is baptism does not have the power to save you. In other words, you could go through life having given your life to Jesus Christ and never be baptized. You would still have a personal relationship with Christ and eternity in heaven. Because baptism is a symbol. It is not a sacrament. It is not part of the salvation process. It is a symbolic act that says, here's what Jesus Christ has done for me. It is amazing. The Bible says, whosoever believes has everlasting life. It doesn't say whoever believes and is baptized. It says whosoever believes has that relationship. Now, that does not diminish the importance of baptism in the life of the believer. Baptism is a symbol. It's a picture of what Jesus Christ has already done. In fact, I, I like to explain it this way, that when... Uh, when a person is in the baptistry and we take them under the water, the word baptizo, or the word baptize, comes from the word baptizo, which means to immerse or to dip. And so in our tradition, we, we take people under the water and bring them back up. And I'd always tell them, you're going to be wet from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And that water is just going to drip off. And symbolically, it's showing how Jesus washes our sins away. That's what baptism does as they're doing it. It is that symbol, a picture for them, but it's also a picture for the congregation. It is them preaching a sermon, sharing a testimony to you that Jesus will wash your sins away. Also, I talked to them about how when you go under the water, you know, this is, this is a picture of Jesus. He's up on the cross. You go under the water. It's his burial. When you come up out of the water, it's his resurrection. He's alive. It's a beautiful picture of that. It's also a picture for the person themselves. This is my old life. When I go under the water, I'm dying to my old life. And when I come out, I am raised to the newness of life, the new creation that Jesus Christ has given me. So that symbol is so important. It's the very first act of obedience after a person gives their life to Christ. How can you go about doing all the other acts of obedience if you haven't gone and done the first one after you've given your life to Christ? It is important. It's important. Why is that? Well, we find that Jesus himself was baptized, not because he needed anything as far as spiritually, but to set an example. It was God setting him aside and saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It is a symbol saying, follow my example. It is vital and it's important. The New Testament church practice it. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. The Bible says, those who accepted the message were baptized. The accepting of the message was their personal relationship with Christ. Being baptized said, I am part of this family of faith. Here's what Jesus has done for me. And we also see through Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, the context that you actually become a member of that local body of Christ. It is part. It is a critical aspect of who we are. And so the first foundation that we need as we look forward to 2021 is to make sure that we are a believer in Christ, that we have a personal relationship. Secondly, is to make sure that we follow through with biblical baptism. Those two things are important and it will change your life. It will change your life, both of those will, if you allow it. And third, the third thing I think it's important to nail down is what should be the place of the church in my life. 
This has been a crazy year. We can all uh, say that is true. Um, I get to see, you know, two different services, different people, different places. We're not all together at one place. But again, you know, the church isn't this building. We think, well, First Baptist Church, Sun City West, is uh, the, over on uh, Conquistador. I love when I call people from different parts of the country and uh, I tell them this is, this is the address, uh, my business address, the church address, and uh, man, they butcher that, conquistador. How many of you butchered that when you first heard it? Well, one or two of you, three, well, four, five, okay, okay. Man, I tell you what, if you, didn't, if you were not around the Southwest, you know, growing up, it would be a hard word. You know, most of us, we, we, you know, we understand what the conquistadors were. But uh, anyway, I, I talk about, you know, the church. But the reality is, it's just a building. This is just an address. The church of the living God are the people who make it up. We could have no building, and we would still be First Baptist Church of Sun City West. Do you think that that first church in Jerusalem had a, a nice building? There was no building. No, they met daily. They met daily at the temple, outside the temple, in those areas. That's where they met. Well, the church is important. It is the body of baptized believers. It's those folks who've given their life to Christ, followed through in believers' baptism. They gather themselves together. They do it for a number of reasons. One is that they hold each other accountable. The Apostle Paul says that is part of the responsibility of the church. You're not just a, a person who's given your life to Christ and you just kind of roam wherever you want to roam. You're supposed to become part of a body of Christ, a local body, and hold each other accountable. Make sure that we do that so that it's for the edification of the saints. When we think about what the church is in our lives, we have to remember that it is a place where we worship. We've had a wonderful time of worship this morning. Worship is, in part, the singing of the songs of the faith, different elements, the prayers and the testimonies, even the video things that we show. All of those are part of our time of worship as we come together. The book of Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why, why, would, why would the writer say that? Because it is natural to kind of fall away a little bit. This is obviously one of our great concerns as, uh, as leadership here is that because we were on pause for such a long time and, and now even since we've been back we have numbers and numbers of people that are watching online or that we're not seeing. You know, is it possible when we are finally able to gather back together that everybody's going to still be here intact? It's a concern because that's what happened. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, he goes on to say. It is a, it is a process. It is important for us to stick together, to worship together. Those early believers in Jerusalem, they worshiped continually. Like I said, they worshiped every day down at the temple courts in those early days. We would love to do that here, wouldn't we? Because we're worshiping God. Well, the ministry is part of our worship. And ministry in a normal setting year is going on here on a consistent and everyday basis. It is also a time of corporate celebration, this worship. We come to celebrate together. Obviously, each one of us can have our times of individual worship. Uh, there's places across this country that I have gone by myself and just had the most incredible worship experience. It is me and God all the way. When people tell me, says, oh, I don't go to a church. I, I worship God, you know, wherever I am. That's great. I do the same thing. But the scripture tells us to bring ourselves back together. There is this corporate understanding of the body of Christ, the body of baptized believers. In fact, let me go back just a moment. The, the word church in the English New Testament comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means the assembled ones. It has an idea that we are to assemble together. And about a, 96 out of 114 times that word is used in the New Testament. It refers to a local congregation the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossae, the church at Antioch, the church at Jerusalem. Talking about the church, the, the body of believers in that area, that's how God is working. It is vital for us to understand that, 
because we're not to be just a Christian lone ranger floating around. We must attach ourselves to this body of faith, not only for accountability, but also our time of worship. Jesus emphasized worship in God's plan. It was something that was critical, and he talked about it throughout his, his, uh, his speaking. The scripture talks about it also, as John did in the Revelation, that worship is vital. David did in the Psalms. Worship is vital for us. Worship in every aspect of singing, the reading of, various elements of our time together, including the preaching of the message. It is also a place where we study the Bible, where discipleship comes in. It is important for us. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more here in a, in a few moments, but he tells us to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It is our responsibility to go out and share the gospel and to disciple them. We baptize them. We disciple them. That means we help them to grow closer and closer with intimacy with Almighty God. And some will say, well, Pastor, isn't that the individual responsibility? Of course it is. Every one of us, we are responsible for ourselves, for our spiritual growth, our in-depth understanding of what the Word of God says and the actions by which He wants us to live them out. He gives us spiritual gifts at our point of salvation. We have our skills and our talents. We use all of that together to accomplish what God wants in His community of faith and in the community in which He has placed us. So it's important for us to have that kind of discipleship to be disciples. Jesus taught his disciples for three and a half years. Every single day they were together and he was teaching them and encouraging them. We should do no less as the body of Christ. We miss our time where our adults get together for Bible study in our Bible study classes. That's a time that is a sweet, sweet fellowship. And I pray that, uh, that soon things will be to where we can bring people back together in smaller classrooms. Right now, we appreciate the Zoom classes. We appreciate all the materials that our teachers are sending in videos. They're sending just to encourage and edify the body of Christ. This is all part of who we are, is teaching the Word of God, not just in our time of worship, but then all of our small groups that are taking place too. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For the prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, we call ourselves as Baptists the people of the book, the Bible. We, this, is, this is our guide. It's not a tradition in another book somewhere. It's not a, a set of rituals or, or liturgy that we follow. It's the Word of God. So we must understand what is the Word of God. He tells us specifically. It wasn't just these guys out here that decided to write it down you know, I thought, hey, this is a great idea. I think I'll put it in place. It didn't come from the will of man. It came from God. God, that as he used human instruments to write down what he desired. And it's interesting in this verse that he says, it's brought along or carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit watched everything that was said. Yes, they used their own personality. They used their own grammatical skills to communicate the truth. God allowed that flexibility because we can look at the different manuscripts and tell you right off, this one really had a good handle on grammar, this one not so much. But the content of what was being communicated is amazing. And it didn't come from man. It came from God. And so when we study the Word of God, it's not just another man's opinion. It is from God. It's a living letter and it's one that teaches us how to live in this life and what to expect and how to live in the life to come. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 says, and that from childhood, he's talking to Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, and that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures. What he's saying here about the sacred scriptures was the Old Testament. He says, which, is able, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. And that scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof for correction, for training, for righteousness, that every man may be adequately equipped for every good work. We teach the Bible, we preach it, we teach it in our, our classes and our small groups. Why do we do that? Because the scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed. God gave it to us. It is eternal. When we leave this life and we go to heaven, those who have a faith in Christ, these words just don't disappear. They are truth. They're part of the absolute truth 
of that which we will always have with us. And he says it's profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And here's such an important part. Because many times we feel inadequate to try and accomplish what God desires us to accomplish. And we say, oh, I don't have the adequate skills for that. But listen to what it says. He said all of these things, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. The way to be equipped is not to say, well, I don't have the ability, because it's not about you. It's about being the instrument God wants you to be. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit who came to live inside of you when you gave your life to Christ. He guides you. He gifted you. And so if God tells us to do something, we are adequate to do it as we dive into his word and trust what his word has to say through the power of the spirit who lives inside of us. It's our standard for living. And we're commanded to not only study the scriptures, but we're commanded to actually live them out. What a concept. <laughs> we can have all the cognitive skills and understanding of, of Bible and of church life in our heads, but if we don't live them out, it's worthless. It's of no value. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is so important. I want you to hear. It does not say that they devoted themselves to the apostles. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I want you to understand that one who teaches, a pastor, whoever, whatever personality, don't follow the personality just because you like the way they communicate things. Because every single personality is human and will fail you at some point. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The teaching of the word of God. That's where you need to hold firm and true. There's three other quick things. The church, that is the body of Christ. Uh, we, we're to energize each other. I think about uh, the time when my battery in my vehicle was, was low, couldn't get it started. Somebody came alongside, we had those cables, you know, you hooked up to battery to battery. Man, within moments, I turned my, my ignition on and guess what? I was, I was recharged. Isn't that amazing? Every one of us sometimes, and maybe this year's done it for you. Maybe there's other things going on in your life we don't know, but you become depleted spiritually. And the first thing we want to do is just kind of hang off by ourselves. But the very thing we should do is come right back here with the body of Christ because we're all, we're all part of that battery that recharges. We come together, we encourage each other, we, we share the understanding that it's a fellowship of believers through our prayer support, through our edification. All of those things help us every single moment. It re-energizes us when we come. I can't tell you how many times somebody will tell me after a time of worship, boy, it's been a tough week and I came really kind of defeated, but today, man, I'm so energized. It just it helped tremendously. That's what the family of faith, that's what the body of baptized believers does. We energize each other. We also strengthen each other. That encouragement is important. Listen to the scripture. They said... Every man to his brother, be of good courage. Well, we need to, to tell each other because every one of us have down times. Can't tell you what it has meant to my wife and our family in the unexpected passing of her father uh, a week and a half ago. All the cards that have been sent, the text messages, the emails, the phone calls, they are a source of encouragement through the difficult times of life. And every one of us have been there. Every single one of us have had those times. And isn't it good to have somebody just to pat you on the back and say, man, I, I don't really understand, honestly, because every unique, situation is unique. But you know what? I'm walking beside you, and I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm sincerely, if I can help in any way, you let me know. But I want to be there. That's who we are as the, as the family of faith. We've got to be encouraged. We strengthen each other. Think about how strong we would be if someone always remembered to say to us, stay the course, and I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. The last thing I just want to quickly say about the body of believers is that we're the center 
through which Jesus Christ works. I like really to talk about our facility, our building, our brick and mortar as a ministry center. Because what we do here is we equip the saints for the work of ministry, we worship God, and as we're equipping, we're equipping not only to encourage each other, but to go out into the community with compassionate care, to lift up those that are, are, uh, are downtrodden, those that are going through difficult times, to be able to share the gospel of Christ, which is the light that not only gives us abundant life here, but the eternal life to come. The ministry center is the equipping center. It sends us out. That's who we are as the body of baptized believers. We do that with this body right here. And so you can see how important it is how important it is for us to take the time and the opportunity. As we look back over the last year, we look ahead to 2021, and we nail down some things that are so important. First and foremost, your salvation. Make sure that you have that personal relationship with God. That is critical because nothing else will flourish spiritually if that isn't in place. And once you've given your life to Christ, to follow through with believer's baptism. A symbol, no saving power, that man is going to engage you and help you to say, okay, now what else can I do for the cause of Christ? And the third is to make sure, as you think about your involvement in this body of faith, this ecclesia at Sun City West, this First Baptist Church, that you say, okay, this year I'm going to use the spiritual gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given me, and I'm going to serve him in the ways that he wants me to. Because we go back to that original scripture in John 14. Those who love me will, do, will be obedient. And then he goes on down and says, those who do not love me are not obedient. So, I mean, it's, a pretty, it's pretty black and white there. You know, either you love him or you don't love him. He doesn't want neutral. He doesn't want something that's lukewarm. He wants you to say, I'm going to do it. That doesn't mean you have to do everything in the church. And you certainly don't do that to, uh, to gain salvation. What you do is to have a heart for ministry. To have a purpose. Because in these decisions, we with purpose say, okay, I want to be used of God. I don't want to be just a reservoir of knowledge, but I want to communicate with my heart and action to touch the lives of people. And through that, I promise you, this year, God will touch your heart. In our time of decision after our prayer, I'm going to ask you just very specifically, if you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, I'm going to be down here at the front. I ask you to come and say to Pastor, I don't quite know how to do this, but I want Christ. Those watching online, I want you to know that if you'll just email me, which is on our website, to say, I, I want that relationship, I'll make sure and get with you in regards to that. It's so important to ask Christ to come into your life. This morning you can do that. If there's any other decision that you need to make today, I welcome you. I ask you, as we look forward to 2021, make sure these commitments are nailed down. Father. As we move into your time of commitment, we ask our folks just specifically hear you. And God, I ask that in the midst of their hearing, that they'll be obedient. And that, Father, each one of us will nail down these most important things. Because if we do, you are going to flood our minds and our hearts with your desires this next year and the things you want us to do with purpose. And so this morning, we commit ourselves in that way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand for our invitation hymn. I'll be at the front. You come and make the decision that God has for you. Jesus is Savior and Lord of my life. I hope my glory
ask you just to remain standing, if you would, and just a reminder of this, next Sunday on the 3rd, our entire service, both at 9 and 11, will be focused around the Lord's Supper, and so it'll be a very special time as we enter a brand new year. And don't forget, don't worry about the New Year's resolutions, but this, this week, I would suggest that you look at some goals this next year, write down some things that God is speaking to you about that he wants you to do. I'd encourage you to do that. I do it in a lot of different areas and put some uh, measurability to it so I can check it through the year. I'd encourage you to take a few of those things, see what God desires, and then fulfill it this next year. Nancy? Just a reminder that the choir has the week off from rehearsal. Enjoy it, choir, because pretty soon we'll be starting on Easter. So if this is a time that you would like to join the choir, I invite you to come at 345 on Wednesday, January the 6th. We rehearse here in the sanctuary. Our church office is open tomorrow, Tuesday, and until noon on Wednesday. So if you have some end-of-the-year giving that you would like to make sure it gets credited to 2020, you'll need to bring it in by noon on Wednesday. Dr. Bob Marty is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer. And if you would just wait in place, the ushers will assist you in exiting. Thank you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for walking with us throughout the year 2020. Thank you for taking care of us during the trials and tribulations that we've experienced here and all around the world. We thank you and we praise you. As we look forward to the year 2021, Father, might we walk on the path that you give to us, trust you for the next step, and through your spirit leading into our lives, might our walk be such in the year 2021 that people come to know Jesus Christ because of our faith in you, they see something different. You are great, you are powerful, you are above all. Might our trust be solely in you and not in man. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your continued blessings. In Christ's name we pray, amen.